2019, round one of the playoffs, the Avs faced the Calgary Flames. And I'm going to be honest, the Avs were like taking some shears to the Calgary Flames man parts. It was not pretty for the Flames. Don't be the Flames. Be the Avs and get your balls manicured with Manscaped. Make your jungle look good with their new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer to Manscaped in any way, shape, or form you want the goods to look. You can also get their ball deodorant as well as an anti-chafe spray, toner, and everything else your junk could need and you can get 20% off plus free shipping over at manscaped.com when you use code dnvr20 make your balls look good and cole gets another good righty and another right by cole a left by cole this time tipped in front by mika rentinen he shoots and scars Nathan McKinnon, Cole J, T, Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try through pickup or delivery from either of their locations. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. Over the last two weeks, we have watched the Golden Era Avs take home their second Stanley Cup. And this week, we are diving into the current era core of the Avs in what Many hope to be the second coming of a golden era. When you back those two up against each other, you can't help but compare everything going on in those two teams. So that's what we are going to do today. AJ, I want to start off with the goalie because I think this will be a quick conversation. Patrick Waugh, many consider to be the greatest goalie of all time. Current abs, look, Grubauer's a good goalie. Frankie has been very solid. They just do not compare to Wah, do they? I mean, right now, neither one of them compared to Varley. That's fairly true. Varley had his very high highs with the Avalanche, and for the most part, across the 1920 season, the Avs got league average out of their goaltenders. Yeah. So. I mean, they were fine. Yeah, the goaltending was fine. Correct. Mm-hmm. Certainly not talking about either of them on a trajectory of a Patrick Waugh type career. We don't even know if either one of them is a starter. Like, yeah, I think, I think you could probably make the assumption for Grubauer at this point. Uh, but even then, like this was his first time really getting like, Hey, you're going to be a starter. And had he gotten healthy, you know, he was he was getting healthy right as everything was finished as everything went sideways. And we don't even know how many games he might have he would have gotten down the stretch. So he's not he's not a set and forget starter, at least. Yeah, not I, not yet, but I think there would still be fifteen teams in the NHL that would be comfortable playing him as a right. number one. Safe to call him a starter, is he a Low-tier, mid-tier, high-tier starter, that's what we don't know yet. And, yeah, Law was a starter from very, <laughs> very early on in his career. So From the jump, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, and then, you know, Frankie, we don't, we, again, like, has had a nice season, but his his first year has been pretty similar to what we saw out of Calvin Pickard to start with, too. So. Yep. Um, that's the, the That's the reason why I'm not going all in on uh, Frankie yet is that we've seen these guys in these in these roles uh, and jumping jumping from filling in for a couple of games having a good two weeks or whatever to hey you're the full-blown starter this is your job you're the backbone of this hockey team is very difficult and a lot of guys fail I mean a yeah. lot of guys you look at you look at the John Bernier's and Martin Jones of the world you know guys that 
fetched first round picks, you know, came came in big deals um, that were that were coveted league wide. Semyon Varlamov, same thing. He was in the same boat, coveted league wide. You know, just and none of those guys had they had they had starter hopes, but they weren't like we know this guy is going to be good. And sometimes you get John Bernier and sometimes you get Freddie Anderson. Yep. And I mean, the other side of that coin is just the longevity of, of Patrick Waugh as well, mm-hmm. being such a good goalie for so long in the current NHL, even guys like Carey price who, you know, was supposed to be the next great goaltender. And he was for a while, but his career is in what is 12th year. And the injuries have already caught up to him and could just completely slowed him down. Yeah, definitely. He really, he was uh, the next great goaltender. Until and, he wasn't. Yeah. I, and he lived up to that billing in his prime. His prime just didn't last long enough. Yep. And as a, as a franchise, Montreal just didn't do anything with it. Pretty and much. Goaltending is maybe the position that gets the harshest judgment when it comes to postseason. Yeah, that's that's true as well. It falls on the goalie harshly. Just ask Pecorine. Yeah, it, I mean, it really does. Like, you could be a great goaltender in the regular season all you want, but when it comes playoffs, there's no hiding. You know, yep. you you get uh, top centers, top forwards, whatever. Like, those guys also separate, but there are also lots of lots of factors that go, you know, matchup and and usage and all that. There's none of those concerns for goaltenders. You play and you either beat the other guy or you don't. Yep. It's it's a team stat, but on the stat sheet, the win column goes for the goalie. So, yeah, and I mean I I don't think that we should track wins and losses for individual players. Like what's Joe Sakic's win-loss record in his career? I think right. it's weird that goaltenders get that. Um, same same thing with like quarterbacks. Oh, Tom Brady won you know two hundred games. Oh yeah, did he not or, have ten other dudes on the field with him? Like not not to mention the defense was on the field like half of games. <laughs> right, like I that we assign wins to individuals in team sports is insane. You know, you watch tennis and it's like, hey. Federer and one we all have a head to head and have a head to head record, and Nadal dominates him in that head to head. You know, Djokovic has the better of both the head to heads against Federer and Nadal, and it's like, who's the goat? I have no idea. (laughs) But you at least have you at least have actual head to head results that you can look at, and in in team sports, when you're like, well, this guy he he leads and wins, and it's like, yeah, why is that? You know, oh, Marty Brodeur has way more wins than Patrick Wall. Yeah, why is that? Is it be is it because he was that much better of a goaltender, or did he just not play in an era with ties? On a team that was a borderline dynasty in the early late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, like on a in, in for a model organization that could that that basically did no wrong. Yep, a lot of factors that that play into that for sure. Um, I do want to get into the forwards here. Obviously, in Avalanche history, the big two forwards are Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. And then the third banana there being Milan Hayduk playing his entire career with the Avalanche, not just Quebec and the Avalanche. Hayduk was Avs only. Um, Those are essentially the big three forwards on the leaderboards as far as the Avs are concerned. And we can kind of go down the list here of the current big three forwards of the abs and Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton and, and Gabriel Landeskog where they're at and how they are tracking towards those type of players. And as well as other players down the list from that era for the abs. I mean, let's start with McKinnon obviously as, as he's the one that is tracking closest to be, I, I guess you could call it on track for being an avalanche legend. Uh, yeah, he is currently fourth in avalanche history in scoring with 495 points. Um, he is 210 points behind Forsberg. Yep. Which 
you although, have to think should be easy to catch for him. Yeah, although he is only 19 games behind. Right. In, the, in games the points per game is no one maybe ever is going to catch Forsberg on that one. Yeah. But. If you were to take away Max's first couple of years, uh, it'd be closer, but you can't. <laughs> they and happened. I mean, its own chase in itself there is McKinnon chasing a point per game play as he's 495 points in 525 games. Yeah. So he's not that far off. He's at 0.94. So uh, for him, I mean, when you remember those first couple of years, like, that he's as close as he is really speaks to how dominant he's been over the last three years. Yep. That he's even put himself in this kind of a position. Um, but he's really, yeah, he's putting himself on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, Cause right now, Colorado, the, the abs Mount Rushmore would be three stone cold locks with Forsberg, Sackick and Wah. Yep. And, and then, then a fourth spot. Yeah, a fourth one where you're like, well, you could you could make an argument for foot, you could make an argument for Hey Duke, you could make an argument for a guy like Stasny if you really wanted to, maybe a Matt Duchesne if you really wanted to. Like you could you could make different arguments, right? Well, McKinnon's not gonna make that it won't be an argument much longer. Yeah. Um by the time Nathan McKinnon is done in an F sweater, that Mount Rushmore will be him. Him locked in as, as one of the names. Whether yeah. it, I think that's pretty clear, um, which gives mm-hmm. us a clear cut for, as you mentioned, of Sackick, Forsberg, McKinnon, and Wah. Yep. And that is where the questions going forward come in for this team, which we will get into in the second period. But first it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge brewery, my favorite beer in the whole world, whether it be the avalanche, Amber, the Colorado core, a really big fan of their raspberry wit, which is their seasonal right now would highly recommend it. Or you can go with AJ's favorite, the strawberry sky, whatever you're looking for. Or if you just want to try it all, you can get the 15 can sampler pack delivered right to you through Drizzly. Also, you can go and pick up beer from Breckenridge at their farmhouse down in Littleton. And if you order a meal as well and you use code DNVR on pickup, you can save five bucks off the whole thing for a great deal. You can call them at 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. to get your beer. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. Pretty clear that Nathan McKinnon will be an all-time great Av, barring something unforeseen, of course. Barring the barring the coronavirus never going away. Right. You never know what happens. And even, in, even then, you could probably make a case for Nathan McKinnon on the Mount Rushmore of the Avs. Um, so... He's well on his way. First overall pick, the only first overall pick of the Avalanche ever. So he's lived up to the hype. Safe to put it that way. Uh, the next guys are where the conversation gets much more interesting. Let's start with one of the longest tenured abs and Gabe Landeskog. 460 points in 633 games. That's good for sixth in Avalanche history. This is not a player that is going to make the Hall of Fame, I would say. Mm-hmm. So where does he fall? Milan Hayduk, not going to make the Hall of Fame, currently on that Mount Rushmore for many. Is that where Landeskog is headed? He likely, well, assuming this next contract gets signed, which everyone expects it will, mm-hmm. he's likely a lifetime av unless he wants to go somewhere else at the end of his career. Wore mm-hmm. the, where's the C? Hayduk did wear the C for a little bit there, as did Adam Foote, another Avs Hall of Very Good type player. So where is Landis God going to end up in that conversation? Uh, I think he lands right in the, the Hayduk range. Yeah. Um, you know, Hayduk had a thou- little over a thousand games played in an Avs sweater, 800 points. Uh, Landeskog has 460 points now and 633 games played. Yep. So realistically, uh, he signs an extension by the end of that extension, assuming it's 
will look like what we think right. and be somewhere in the five to eight year range. Um, Landeskog will pass Hayduke during that next contract in games played. Yep. So will be the longest playing Av ever at that point. Yep. If it gets done, uh, his points per game is slightly below Hayduke. Uh, yeah. The point, the, other- the point seven three, uh, and that's, that's come up quite a bit in the last two seasons. Yes, it has. Um, given his production, obviously. Yeah. And, and so that is, you know, right now he's Chris Drury at 0.71. So that's kind of the range that he's sort of in over the course of his career. Claude Lemieux also 0.71. So, you you know, and Hayduke was 0.79 and obviously had the, the slow end of his career where he was not nearly as productive. Dipped significantly those last two years. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, you know, somewhere in that range, um, I would be surprised if Landeskog's point per game continued to rise. Um, I think last year will probably be the big outlier in terms of offense, although he was so hot in the second half of this year that had they finished, this could have been his second or third best season of his career. Yeah. Um, these are these are probably the best they will get out of Landy offensively in his career this year, uh, last year, maybe next year. That that those just those that small cluster right where he's absolutely at his peak, and then he will begin to decline. The question is, is how how quickly does it happen? And that will probably determine how we view Landeskog on that Mount Rushmore at the end of all this. Um. It might have to be a Mount Rushmore of eras. Sure. You know, where Utah, you you go back and it's Sackick, Hayduke, Forsberg, and Juan, one Mount Rushmore. And then this one will be McKinnon, Landy, Miko, and Makar. I think you picked all of the correct names, which which we will get to. But, to, yeah. uh... but Landeskog, just in terms of, I mean, just in terms of raw production, he's yeah. just... It, it will be like, you'll be looking at the list and you'll be like, one of these is not like the other. And it'll be right. him. And, but you'll also know, like, he's the strong two-way guy, obviously. Um, the, yep. the captain, the leader, the face, you know, the the public face of the franchise, the one that they send out there when you have a pandemic and it's like, oh, who are we going to... <laughs> Who are we going to talk to while we're in quarantine? It wasn't Nathan McKinnon. Nope. It was Gabe Landeskog, and he was the face of the franchise through the 48-point season. Yep. We, we talked about it. The guy yeah. who said, I want to be here. You know, yep. there were there were guys who didn't want to be in Colorado anymore and said, you know, this just hasn't worked. I want to I want a fresh start somewhere else. And after a season, like, it's totally understandable. That's a human thing. And oh, yeah. Landy Landy pushed back and said, no, I want to make this work here. And admirable. And hey, that's the kind of thing that makes fans love you forever and, and etches you in, in lore of a franchise forever. Now, if he just has to get his next contract done and play it out. Assuming that happens, the contract gets done. Is Landy a lock to have his number retired by the Avs? Um, All three of the other Avs captains have had their numbers retired. I would say... Boy, that's tough, man. I know, he's right on the line, isn't he? I, I would say if he never plays another game... No, I but would ass- agree with that. If I, I mean, assuming and and a, a, this should be a fair assumption, but assuming you know that he gets three or four more good years, um, it, it, he's a quality player into his early thirties at least. Yeah, yeah, because this is year nine of Landeskog. This most recent season was nine. We have to accept that we are in we are very likely in the back half of the Landeskog tenure. Yeah. We're we're on the back nine of his career. 
which is I remember, Weird to think about. Yep. I remember getting drunk at his draft party and saying all kinds of crazy stuff because, again, drunk. That was back when I drank a lot of Jaeger, so I was making a <laughs> lot of bad choices. <laughs> I mean, nine years ago, you were young then, too. Ex- oh, dude, not nice. <laughs> that was so backhanded. <laughs> oh, well played, though. That was well played. I give you props. Um, were you still at Colorado State nine years ago? Yes, I oh was. God, I couldn't even legally drink nine years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's okay. Anyway, so we're talking like we're on the we're on the second half of the Landy career here in Colorado. He he's right on that cusp. He really is right on that cusp of all time abs. Great, he's there, but. Yep. You know, he only has a couple more games played than Tangay, and he doesn't have as many points. So if and you Tangay were to if you were to make the retirement. Exactly. If you were to blindly match up their careers next to each other and say, do either of these players belong in on 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 you know with a retired jersey and and forever etched into Av's lore as one of the all time franchise greats, you'd look you'd match their careers up and you'd say, No. Definitely so, fair. I think Landy has work to do. Um, but easily, you give him, seriously, three more solid years. You get him into the 800-plus games played. Uh, you know, Sackick at 870. So, you know, like we're, yep. we're already having that conversation of um, games played. Like he's, he, it's coming up for him. Um, three more good years. Three more years of 65-plus games played and productive. If he has three years at 10 points each, that's bad. (laughs) Uh, You're going the wrong direction if that's what you're scoring at. Which is is why I say it's not a lock and that he he still has some work to do. But once you start to get into the – once he – I think once he starts to look, you know, 800-plus games played, 600-plus points – with one franchise, you're starting to have that conversation where you're like, yep. And captain the entire time. Like you're definitely looking at him then. How, how important is that longevity to someone like Hey Duke? Uh, if you take away his games played number and you just say, this was a guy who had a fairly long career with the team and was shy of 0.8 points per game. Does his number get retired? Well, I would say do you take a which which seasons do you take away? I'm just saying if you I look mean, at his statistics, if you, if you even just cut off the last two, so he doesn't get to a thousand games played, and right. he doesn't get to 800 points, but every single season of his career except his rookie year, Hey Duke had a 20 goal season. Fair enough. What if a couple of those years weren't with the Avs? Does he still get retired? No. Okay. If so, you if you were to say say he's you cut off those last two years of his career and he played them elsewhere, I say yes. Okay, but, but if, if a couple if, prime years like a la Tange, even even then, if you say you cut off the last four years of his Avalanche career, mm-hmm. um, including obviously the last couple where you know he only had like fifty points or whatever, um. You cut off the last four years of his career. You're now you're talking like I don't know. I, I don't know what the numbers would the exact numbers would be, but you're you're talking somewhere in like the seven seven hundred and fifty eight hundred games played range. Sure. Uh, and then you're into the. I honestly have no idea what his point production was those last few years, um, but you probably cut off one hundred and fifty points. Let's see. Somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah, right about a, probably a bit more than that even. But So cut off 150 points. You're talking he's a 650-point guy with 800 games played. It's bored. And probably, probably not. Sure. The point I'm trying to make is longevity, especially when the longevity is with a, one single team for a long time, is often – a way for a borderline player to get over that hump and get their number retired. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think that's maybe the deciding factor for Landis Gog years from now, whenever that happens. So, 
Yeah, and you know, right now it's like, hey, if Landeskog gets six, he plays six more years in Colorado, relatively healthy, at several hundred games played, becomes the all-time franchise leader in games played. Also, is you know seven or eight hundred points, depending on you know how it all goes, whatever. Like that's such an easy slam dunk, yes, especially if they win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, if they that- don't win a cup, it feels. Very kind of like what Stasny's career feels like in Colorado. Right. I, what was the point? The Sackick, Hayduk, Forsberg, Wah, all have at least one cup. Three of them have two. Mm-hmm. You keep going down that list. Tangay has a cup. Foot has two cups. It's. I mean, you get even further it just into the points list. Deadmarsh has a cup. Kaminsky has a cup. Yep. Yep. You know, Drury had a cup. Lemieux had a cup. And then you're talking about a bunch of modern guys, you know, O'Reilly and Rantanen, um, Duchesne, Stasny. And look how we view those guys so differently. Unless you're a Nathan McKinnon caliber talent, it's really hard to become a team legend without winning a cup. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or, or without having a very consistently high-end career. Yeah, uh, a higher end career. Like, like if Landeskog goes out and continues his points per game for the next four or five years, I mean, he's it's an easy yes. Yep, he's on he's on that track definitely. Uh, if Landeskog continues his point per game for the next four or five years, the Avs are going to win a cup. So, <laughs> come on, you got to have a little faith. I'm. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I just. All right. Please let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, We'll get out of the second period here. As while I did go to Colorado State nine years ago, in the past couple of years where I finished up college was at MSU Denver. And MSU Denver Online is a great option as it gives you a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. They have a lot of experience with this, so like right now, if we're still in quarantine, they know what they're doing when it comes to teaching these classes online. It's not a total scramble for them. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. I mean, I got a degree in computer science and I ended up in sports media. So even in not their fields, you can make it work for you. Some of our very own staff here at DNVR, me, Rudo, did take classes there and some of them are going to be taking more this summer. So highly recommend it. msudenver.edu online to check it out. They have 40 online and hybrid programs and over 750 classes. It's a great way to get your education. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Nathan Rudolph and AJ Hayfley. We've talked McKinnon. We've talked Landis Gog. Maybe the most interesting forward in this conversation, at least currently, is Miko Rantanen, who still early on in his career, it's crazy to me to think that he really is still so young, born the same year that my sister was born. So very weird. But regardless, he has 250 points in 281 games for just shy of a 0.9 points per game average, has been post-horrible year beyond a point-per-game player and a revelation to the Avs' top line and the three-headed monster. That's We've talked about it before. He's on a Hall of Fame career path if this continues. Uh, yeah. And in franchise history, it's amazing to me. He has already... He has more points in an Avs uniform than Ryan O'Reilly, Chris Drury... Adam Foote, which is crazy just because of the longevity there. Yeah. And Claude Lemieux. Yep. And did so in less games than all of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan O'Reilly took him 427 games to get to 246 points. Miko, 281 games for 200 with 250 points. Yep. And just one goal shy of 100 in his career. For Miko. 
yeah. which hey. is crazy because that puts him 12th all time just yeah. outside that top 10. Um, had he been healthy even a little bit for half of this season, he would have blown past Lemieux and Kamensky. Uh, realistically, he could he he should go past Deadmarsh Lemieux and Kavinsky next year into the top ten. Yeah, in goals. So, um, yeah, we've we've said, hey, if if Miko continues his post rookie season pace, he's a Hall of Fame player. Even if even if he continues just his point nine his point eight nine that he has in his career so far, which counts that rookie season. He is still a guy that will threaten a thousand points for sure in his career. I mean, and when you think about that, Joe Sackick has a thousand and fifteen points in an abs uniform. Yep, the only player to have a thousand points in an yep. abs uniform by more than 200 points. Yeah, he had a 210 <laughs> point advantage on Hayduke. So it's, I mean, it, this is the next wave coming and this is where the conversations get interesting because yeah. how does Miko fit in that the upper echelon of avalanche players? Obviously, if he continues, he's going to breeze past someone like Hayduke, but mm-hmm. where do you get into the conversation with Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg? Okay. We think McKinnon will be in that category. Miko could legitimately push them, especially if he has longevity that my favorite player of all time is Peter Forsberg. I say it all the time. The longevity is not there for that player. It's just not. So how do you have that conversation? If so, I'm just, this is obviously a a huge projection. Yes, clearly. But Miko needs to play for 10 more years. All that. Well, what I'm, so what I'm saying, uh, if, just I just picked a number. If he continues just his goals per game pace that he already has, yep, and he does it for twelve hundred more games, which again I understand that is a huge number that requires lo- a lot of good health and a long career. Not but, unprecedented, though. Right. If you were to add that on top of what he's already done he would be over 500 goals in his career. And he that's would, obvious instant Hall of Fame he legend. He would be fact. a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Yeah. It would not be like a breezing in, right? And for one, I don't think uh, the, the, when, and that's just at his current goals goal pace right now. For one, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best he's going to have. I think he could have a 50-goal season in him. Certainly a forty goaler, at least. Yeah, absolutely. If Miko Rantanen never has a forty goal season, it will be a disappointment to me. Yep, and just because he's such a special shooter, like he has a special shot, and we are going to see his. You know, when you look at Landeskog, you look at that's a very normal career path where he comes in and he's very he's very, he's very good early on. But this 26 to 29 range is where a lot of these guys really like this is the the absolute best they have. And that's true of a lot of the even the elite players, like the elite, elite, elite players. That's also true. Where that's the range where they are absolutely at their best. And Miko still has several years to go to get to that point. And. I just think that there's so much upside. There's so there's such a special player in there that if he continues on and he continues to round out the all around game, uh, continues to work hard, have a good head on his shoulders, and come with the right attitude, he has a chance to be a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, i I believe he does. I mean, when we talk about him having his struggles this season and you look back and you say, well, Miko struggling is like three points in four games. It's all <laughs> relative. Yep. Because like, yeah, there were legitimate bouts where Miko Rantanen, like we, we watched those games and it was like, look, you could sugarcoat it all you want, but Miko Rantanen had stretches where he was not good. And yep. he finishes this season with 41 points in 42 games. 
pretty tough to argue with that. And the the games, it's kind of garbage that he gets credit because he got knocked out of two games where he didn't finish. Yep. So, oh, certainly, if that's the floor for Miko, things are looking very, very promising in that regard. And it's very exciting the future of this forward core that is still coming with Landis Gog in his prime McKinnon about to step into his and Ranton in a few years after that. But we do need to talk about a defenseman just in case we haven't done enough projecting yet. Hmm. Let's talk about a guy who has 57 regular season games in the NHL and yet ask any abs fan. And you'll say, yes, this guy is going to be a hall of famer. Kale McCarr is just, special it's dumb (laughs) it's dumb that is a good way to put it 38 points in 57 games so far for Makar that already puts him in the top 30 defensemen ever on the abs in scoring so off to a good start to say the least and already has more goals than guys like Carlos Krashtich who was here for hundreds of games yep you know, um, points wise, one season in, and we're like, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then we all just sort of shrug and like, just accept that. Yep. It, it's already he, happening. He's only 31 career points behind Sam Gerard. <laughs> yep. And you're like, he could, he could catch him next year. Yeah. Straight up. Sam Gerard could have a 40-point season, and Kale McCarr could still catch his ass. And he could have 80. <laughs> exactly. not off the table at all. Like, he could, if he had 80 points next year, he would catch Brett Clark with 130 points exactly for seventh on the abs. Yep. And Brett, it took Brett Clark 371 games to do that. Yeah. To be clear, the only av defenseman pacing anywhere near McCarr's points per game is Ray Bork. And he's a whole 0.1 points per game what McCarr has done so far in his career. Yes, small sample size, obviously, but still, that's stupid. <laughs> so. I mean, Santos Ozelinch was up there, too. He was. He had a 7.76, so not yeah. too far behind Bork. But Yeah, he was, he was, very, we've, he was very prolific in Colorado, but he was god-awful defensively. Yeah, and and with Bork, you're talking about one of the greatest offensive defensemen of all time. Yeah, just so we're clear as to where we're putting Kale McCarr and and Rob Blake, uh, one of the great two way guys of all time as well. I mean, yep. you're you're talking about two true greats there, and Rob Blake spent a decent chunk of his uh, some of his better years in Colorado. Yep, um, you're talking. Kale McCarr will pass him within probably four seasons. McCarr will be still in his mid-20s and very possibly the best, highest-scoring abs defenseman ever. Yeah, um, it's hilarious to think about because Barry just set the record last year at 3.07. He has 3.07. Yep. Um, McCarr, McCarr by about his 26th birthday. Yep. Um, should be pretty comfortably ahead of that, assuming all goes the way we think it will. Right. It, it's just, it's insane. I, I said it 10 games into the season. He's the best defenseman that's ever played for the abs. And I stand by it. I bold take. Then the numbers obviously still have to come, but every time you watch him, you can just see that he is just on a different level. Yep. And so I maybe we gotta make Mount Rushmore eight heads to fit in all these coming abs because Well and and it's not even just the I think the really interesting conversation, what do you do with Eric Johnson? He's gonna be the defensive games played leader in two years. Well, I guess yeah. three years. Because he just keeps not getting to even when he was healthy this year, it was like Nope. Yeah. Sorry, we're canceling the season. <laughs> Either way, outside of Adam Foote, the longest standing 
Avs defenseman and will pass Adam Foot in points next year, almost certainly, assuming a healthy season. I mean, he better. <laughs> he, better Only, have a, he better have a 10-point season next year. Yeah, exactly. Nine points behind. So it for me, EJ's just a, a level below. He doesn't quite make it to that Tangay kind of tier for me. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. This could okay. get in. This could get interesting. Let's say EJ gets to. Uh, let's say he gets to nine hundred games played with the Avs. Mm-hmm. And you know who cares about the points? Two hundred and fifty points. Who you know? Two hundred and eighty points. Maybe three. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's not the point. It doesn't matter because McCarl will have six hundred by then. Right, like we won't be talking about it. <laughs> um, but say EJ gets to like 900 games played. Say they win sure. a cup, maybe two. If they win two cups, definitely. But is there a point in time where you start to have the Eric Johnson jersey retirement conversation? Yeah, I, I mean, if they win two cups, I think it happens. You and he's so? there for 900 games. I think so. Uh, at, at that point, you're talking about the same type of area as an Adam Foot. Um, what about what about if they've if it's they, no cups? I think it's really hard to do. What if they win two cups in the next two years and he retires? I mean, assuming health, he still gets to what 750 games, which is right about what Foot had. Um, he's at 573 now, so. So it's like 720 if he's healthy. Yeah, he's right in that, he's right in that mid-700 conversation. Yeah, but never the captain. That's true. I mean, obviously. Will not be the best defenseman on a cup-winning team. Yeah. Doesn't have the lore behind Adam. Foot wasn't really either. I guess Foot might have been for 96. I'd have to go back and look at that defense. Yeah. That was like LeCision and LeFave and Gusarov and Foot and Krupp. So it was probably Foot. <laughs> yeah, although defensive, like defensively, that was actually a pretty nasty group. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a really, really tough one. It, if they win yeah. two cups and he. He gets to that Adam Foot-ish game mark. He's he's gonna be right on the line, and maybe he ends up coming a little bit up on the short side because he's not. He didn't ever in Colorado have the pedigree that an, an Adam Foot did. Yeah. What about nine hundred games played, one cup? That same kind of situation. I think it's right on the line. The nine hundred games, the longevity would make him the longest standing Abs defenseman ever by one hundred and forty games. Maybe he just squeaks over the line. I think that's... I would lean that way. 900 games, one cup. I think they give him the number. Mm-hmm. But... I would understand it going either way. Which... Yeah. That would be a tough one. And then... We kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about this idea last night originally. Um, yep. Sam Gerrard has 220 games played for the Abs already. He's already top 20 all time. He never has, missed a regular season game in an abs jersey. He has a seven year contract starting next year. Yep. That will take him until he is 29 years old. So potential Let's, for another contract there, too. So if he plays out that contract, he will have already spent 10 years as an av. As, assuming he is healthy across that deal. Yeah. Let's assume 65 games plus. Average for this for those seven years, so that adds another four fifty five. So he'd be at a just shy of seven hundred games if he's as healthy as he has been for the Avs. Even just assume seventy five. Yeah, you're looking at more like eight hundred plus. Okay, and then what? Say he signs another contract, and say that Sam Sammy G is a is an Avs lifer. At that point, he, yeah, you're and pushing up into 1200 type area. Exactly, yeah. you get to the 1200. 
cup or no cup? I mean, do you at least can, do you at least consider it? You gotta. There's a very real chance if that happens that he's the he has the most games played for any av ever. So it's got to be a conversation. I think it has to be a conversation because if you look at all time, how you yeah. know how many defensemen have played 1,200 games in their career? Uh, I know Bork has. I think Chelios. I I'd struggle after that. Yeah, 33 of them. I mean, that's more than I thought, but still. Yeah, and some of these names, like Sean O'Donnell. Yeah. You know? Okay. Guy playing in the 50s. Like like Ken Danico. Yeah. You know? Like some really... A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys that did it, Luke Richardson, had 201 points in 1,400 games played very different game then <laughs> yeah but like with sammy assume he averages i don't know whatever whatever he's averaging now in points per game i don't have it in front of me anymore but that over 1200 games yeah let's see it would be i think it's about point three something point three six eight Bust out the old trusty calculator. Over 1,200 games, you'd be looking at 440 points. Okay, and that's assuming he gets absolutely no better and and does not have any like true career years. Right. No 40-point breakout season or whatever. Right. Like, 440 points puts him ahead of a handful of these guys. Yeah. And... Yeah. That's that, and that's just stopping at twelve hundred. There's some of these guys with like fourteen, fifteen hundred games played, you know. But these yeah. are all like these are like all time greats: Chelio, Stevens, Larry Murphy, Bork, Lidstrom, Chara, Housley. Like Glenn, somehow Glenn Wesley played fourteen hundred games. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Tim Horton himself, Al McInnes, Paul Coffey, you know Roman Hammerlick. That's actually a pretty good name there, Roman Hammerlick. Where, first of all. Amazing last name that I've never <laughs> thought of before, but it's making me laugh now. <laughs> and but Hammerlick, like not a Hall of Fame guy, but if he Just had stayed in one place his entire career, would have been retired by them, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, fourteen hundred games played with six hundred points, and this is an easy retirement. Yep, especially if there's a cup involved. Yep. So. A good example there. I I would agree. It's we say it all the time on this podcast. Availability is a skill, right? Yep. So it it has value in and of itself, regardless of the points in play. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a floor to that, but if you can show up for 1,400 NHL games, even 1,200 NHL games, that puts you in pretty elite company or at least unique company. You're a French, you're, you're a franchise icon. Yep. Everyone and from a generation that watched that team will know who you are. Even if, even if he just finishes this, the seven year contract and leaves after that, you're talking 800 ish range of games. Yep. Played. yep. Like so. we, we could be legitimately looking at another. This is why we talk about these guys as like a potential golden era. Because you can easily look at some of this stuff and say, hey, these are these guys. And we're not even getting in. We don't even we don't have any idea what the hell a Bowen Byram is or a Connor Timmons or, you know, any of the forward core beyond these guys. We don't know what's going to happen with a Burakovsky who could end up being so Hey Duke-esque in his career. Yep. Yep. And we don't know what happens with an Alex Newhook when he gets here, you know, like. It's it's gonna be fascinating. What happens if Tyson Jost becomes a forty five point guy and plays here for fifteen years? All of these things could happen. Some you know? of them probably will. So we don't even know about those guys, but we're talking like the high, high, high end. Damn, this is gonna be a special era for the Abs. It it really is, especially over the next handful of years as yep. these milestones start to fall. Only two players have played 800 or more games for the Abs. Landis Gog should be knocking on that door 
at the end of uh, 2022. So it's going to be big when he passes Adam foot. That's when, you know, you're it's getting real. Yep. It, a lot of, a lot of waiting, almost an entire decade of, I don't want to say darkness because the abs ended the decade of the tens. Very, very strong. Yeah. But, a lot of just cycling through players and the Wolski and Spados eras, the just whoever they had left on the team to I play mean, the Duchesne O'Reilly era. The, Chris Stewart happened. Yeah. Had a Chris 27 goal season when he was like 23. Right. <laughs> nothing stuck for that era from 2008 to about 20. 17 Uh, and now finally they have these players that are sticking and the records are in their sights yeah the assault on the record books is real from this group yep it's very real and i'm there's a reason why we can project and say hey this this should be a golden era for the abs and this is why because they have guys they've got multiple guys who could be hall of fame guys Uh, there you go i'm just gonna leave it as that multiple hall of famers, there's a good chance you are watching them every time the abs take the ice right now, which unfortunately live isn't happening, but hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you as always for listening tomorrow night. We have game two against the Calgary flames live 6 PM mountain time. Hope mm-hmm. y'all will join us for that. Matt Nieto's moment. Matt Nieto's moment. <laughs> right? Right? Everybody remember that, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, the end of the game was a little bit better, but we'll see. Anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Get out of here. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, watch Hall of Famers play hockey. Strava Craft is the CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, as well as whole bean or ground options as well. And you can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20. The CBD is non-psychoactive and helps reduce migraines, decrease anxiety, arthritis, IBS, other aches and pains. can be great for times like this when you're cooped up in the house and just need to relax a little bit. Just be sure to use that DNVR20 code when you order. Or Avalanche with Hayfully 